it's that time of year again. Halloween season. On Blood and Black Rum Podcast, we take this very seriously. So, we're going back to the basics with what we're calling Halloweenies 2. Movies that take place on or around Halloween. Your favorites like Hocus Pocus, Ernest Scared Stupid, Terrifier, and more. Tune in all September and October as we smash jack-o'-lanterns and Oktoberfest in equal fashion. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Crumb Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I am joined with my spooky co-host, Mark. How's it going? Doing well. Um, we are back in the Halloween seasons. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in the spirit of things. We're getting into, what, the middle of September now? It's kind of hard to believe, actually. It's been going very fast. Don't believe that we're already that far in. But here we are, three episodes into our Halloweenies 2 series. And uh, we've been covering Halloween movies all month long so far. And we're, on, we're, we're on episode number three now. Yeah, number three. We are going to be talking about a. So last last time we did Ernest Scared Stupid, which is you know more of like a nostalgia sort of thing. And this time we're going to be talking more about a you know more traditional horror movie that does take place around Halloween as well. Um, this one's not your kids movie of course um it's a bit edgier than that are you sure because Ernest essentially in the last film if you watch it and with the modern day lens murdered a whole bunch of people with his antics let alone nearly kills himself in a garbage trunk several times it's true um melted down some trolls it's true so yeah um that one was uh, on the on for for a Disney scale, definitely on the more uh, obscene, acceptable for early '90s Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, looking back, you watch the Mighty Ducks. Well, how did old Gordon Bombay get this job as teaching kids how to play hockey? A lot of people forget this. It was because he got charged with a DUI because he's a drunk, <laughs> and it took the heart of children to make him turn down the drink and find love that's right uh so this time we're we're talking about a movie that i i had said that i've never seen before and i was wrong um i have seen it before i uh, didn't realize that i'd seen it um for whatever reason i had forgotten about it that's how you know you're in peak film territory you never know i've never seen it uh, before to be fair to myself, it was a few years ago. Um, so this film released in 2016, actually. Kind of surprising it's been that long since it released. Um, so I didn't, I don't think I saw it upon release, but, you know, 2018 is when it got actually got an actual, like, release by Dread Central, right? Um, yeah, so I probably saw it somewhere around there, 2018, 2019, something like that. And I, I don't know why, but I always get the movies in the series a little bit confused. Um, for whatever reason, but we're talking about 2016 slash 2018's Dread Central Presents movie Terrifier <laughs> by, by Damien Leone, and uh, that's my creepy clown laugh. That's a good one. It's like Krusty the Crown Clown paired with a creepy clown laugh because you had like the hula, you know, like the the like Krusty a Woody. Does. or yeah, like a Woody sort of, you know. You had them both. 
you know, pretty, pretty good. good. I do a pretty good crusty lap. Hey, kids. <laughs> so how come oh, you, you should be like for Halloween, you should be like creepy crusty the clown. Well, like crusty very creepy. The spooky version, spookier version. Um, so you know what? Let's you know what? Let's start. Uh, Halloween is over with. We're just gonna do Treehouse of Horror. Or we're just gonna do all like fifty Treehouse of Horror episodes now. That's right. I I actually set out to watch all of those at one point. I'm I think I'm still. I haven't seen all of them. Uh, because I think there's like thirty five now or something. But I've seen a lot of them. Um. And the one thing that you you'll you notice as the Treehouse of Horror goes along is that they just constantly are just recycling movies and they just do the movies as a basically as a skit which I don't prefer I like it when they do more of the original pieces instead of trying to just make a fun or or do a mock uh movie because I don't I don't think those work as well but anyway we're talking about terrifier and like I said this is one that I had seen a little while ago didn't really remember it um i knew of art the clown I, i've known of art the clown uh, as a character and previously he had made an appearance in all hallows eve which was another one of damien leone's films uh earlier than terrifier and for whatever reason i get those mixed up a lot like i get which one is has terrifier stuff in it and which one is all hallows eve um but I like the idea that Demi Leone has of setting all these at Halloween and kind of have like a throughput of the same sorts of things happening on Halloween night. Like that idea a lot. And he's gotten a lot of um, recognition of late because last year's Terrifier 2, um, which I haven't seen yet, but at an exorbitant two hours and 18 minutes is kind of uh, surprising how much acclaim it's gotten. Um, and I think most of that has to do with the special effects work because Leone is a special effects guy. He's works on practical effects and Terrifier is kind of like his baby where he gets to do everything, writing, directing, and special effects work. So he's gotten a lot of acclaim recently with Terrifier 2 and uh, probably just ups the ante from Terrifier, but uh, Terrifier is already pretty gory and gruesome and brutal. And you'd never seen Terrifier, right? Never even, never even, never even heard of it. Didn't, didn't know about Art the Clown being some sort of like Halloween bastion. No, not, uh, not familiar with him. Um, I, I think like you know, in in this scenario with Art the Clown, you kind of have a low budget horror icon. Um, that's not probably well known by people who just casually watch horror movies. But if you're really into the, um the underground you might know Art the Clown and you might recognize him as as his own horror icon I don't know so we'll talk about that as we get into the movie itself is Art the Clown a horror icon I'll leave that you don't have to answer that now I'll leave that an open ended question for later on to answer um but yeah Terrifier um I feel like with the first Terrifier that one kind of came and went a little bit more than the newer version, the Terrifier 2, which actually got... Terrifier 2 got, like, the, some theatrical releases. Terrifier, as far as I know, didn't really get any theatrical releases. It was definitely on a fairly low budget, $35,000. Um, really not super 
popular actors or anything like that in it. Um, kind of just did its thing and, and went. But for whatever reason, you know, Terrifier 2 got a lot bigger, got a lot more recognition, and uh, here we are. Um, let's take a break real quick, talk about the beer that we have on the show before we get into the actual film itself. Um, because we have another surprise, right? We have another Oktoberfest on the show. Can you believe it? Um, this one's more. This one's more of a fest beer style, though, because we've had a couple Marzins on the shows uh, this year. Got a fest beer on the show, and I wanted to get this one because we've had Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest previously. I've actually had it, you know, a couple years. And I didn't realize this, but it seems like Sierra Nevada likes to work with different German breweries for their Oktoberfest each year. So a lot of times when you go on apps like Untapped, people are trying to get like the most check-ins of different types of beers. So they always make like an, a, a new version for the year. So like they'll be like, here's Oktoberfest 2019. Here's Oktoberfest 2022. And for the most part, those are super unnecessary because the recipe doesn't really change year to year. But it does make sense for the Oktoberfest from Sierra Nevada because they do brew with a different brewer every year. So this year, I wanted to pick this one up for one thing because it's got a kick-ass can. What do you think about the can? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it because it's kind of got like that orange and black like Halloween fall element to it. Um... You know, but the, you know, it's also got the Oktoberfest. Um, I'm gonna say it's orange. Yeah, I guess it's it's more like yellowish. Yeah, like a, it's like a yellow jacket, like a bumblebee. Yeah, like gold yellow. But yeah, I mean, I I like it. I think it's like a striking can, very presentable. Um, so that was one reason why I wanted to pick it up. But then you know, I wanted to pick it up because it has it's a collaboration with uh, Kierweeder Brewery. Which, I don't know. I've never heard of them before. But, I thought it was cool that they do collaborations for their Oktoberfest. So I wanted to try it out. And then, thirdly, it's an, a fest beer. Which is not super common for Oktoberfest American Mars and Styles. So, what do you think? I like it a lot. Um, Fresh and one dead soldier down onto the second one. But I do like it a lot. Um, it's definitely different. Um, and I do appreciate, you know, the more we're kind of having uh, fest beers, you know, and kind of comparing them to Morrison's, you know. I'll always prefer Morrison's, but I do think fest beers have a nice little difference to offer. They're cleaner, less breadier. This one is, as you mentioned to me before, you know, you gave it to me, does have a, like a hop quality to it that's uh, kind of seems weird for the style, but I think it works actually pretty well because it gives like a nice like Sierra Nevada little hop bite to it to go with that Fespier style. It's still bready, not as bready as a Marzen, obviously. Very crisp, very clean, very easy to drink gives me a nice warming sensation as I drink it as the cold is rolling in. I like this a lot. This is a very good, you know, fest beer style. Um, and if they truly do like kind of, which, cause I've never paid attention either to, uh, 
them mixing it up like with uh, breweries. I don't know if that's like a recent phenomenon for the, within the past couple of years or not. Because to be honest with you, I probably haven't bought Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest for a couple of years. But if that's the case, it's pretty cool and it'd be interesting to see, you know, what they do, um, you know, going forward, you know. I would, I would definitely say check this out. This is a great offer by them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't realize it either. I don't know if I've just never noticed that they do the collaborations or, or what, you know, and they, they kind of made a bigger deal about it this year. I saw a post from them on Facebook that said, you know, they was talking about the collaboration that they've done. And, you know, I kind of piqued my interest. So I definitely wanted to seek that one out again this year. Um, I think it's pretty good. It's not my favorite Oktoberfest. It's definitely... Um, like I said, a lot more suited towards the fest beer style because it doesn't have a huge malty, bready characteristic to it. It does have a, it, to some extent, but as Martin said, the hops actually do come out quite a bit at the end of the beer. So it's kind of like a bread, malty, slightly bready, but uh, overall more hoppy characteristic to it with a lighter body than you would expect from a Marzen style. So I think it's good. And as I've said before, fest beers aren't my favorite style in the Oktoberfest um, category. So I, I do prefer myself a Marzen. But in this case, I do think they've done a pretty good job with it. And, you know, the, even though the hop is a little bit odd towards the end of the beer, I think it works. And it kind of gives it a character that sets this Oktoberfest apart from some others because it kind of gives it a Sierra Nevada, um, you know, like staple that you know has hops and has it's a little bit different so it sets it apart gives it gives you something to talk about from an Oktoberfest because sometimes you taste an Oktoberfest yeah it's good it's ready it's malty not much more to say about it it has a little bit more of a unique characteristic to it so I think it's pretty good uh, I would definitely recommend it checking it out it's in the 12 pack get it for about 18 to 20 bucks so definitely worth it especially considering that some breweries not going to name names are trying to market, you know, 16-ounce cans, uh, four-pack cans for, like, 20 bucks for a four-pack. And that's, I think, a little steep considering some of the other breweries that are able to put this out at a much lower price point. So definitely check it out from uh, Sierra Nevada and Kierweeder. Uh, and I'll keep an eye out for Kierweeder as well, see if we can find anything else by that brewery because, I, like I said, I've never heard of them before. But I like the idea of doing a collaboration like that. So, uh, Prost, Sierra Nevada. All right, so, on to Terrifier. So, I guess, let's start right at the beginning. Um, what do you think about that opening scene where you get kind of like that staticky TV that we, we are kind of slowly zooming into that sets the, the whole storyline in motion about um, a victim of Art the Clown and she's on a talk show and basically giving an interview about how she was mutilated and now has come to look as she does with a nice practical effect of her face kind of all cut up very uh, you know obviously sadistic attack on her missing her eyes what do you think about that the opening kind of made me think of uh, how is this October Bill I'm like oh are we getting a documentary here here because it starts off with like the whole TV motif and the interview and it's uh it's interesting the the way that 
you know, vic- the victim looks, you know, I do think the makeup works there really good, you know, uh, really visceral. Uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, because it's like, uh, usually, um, especially with like a, a first film, you don't, in a slasher genre, it's the killer's not like a, like an established thing. Mm-hmm. So to have like the lore kind of out there. Well, I guess I guess technically this isn't the first film, then is it? He was in All Hallows Eve, but whatever the case may be, it's 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 interesting. You know, I think it's a good way to kind of set it up uh, because for the most part, uh, that's kind of all the plot there is because the film doesn't have a plot. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think, like, as you said, you know, All Hallows Eve existed, but I think with Terrifier, you can pretty much safely assume that most people going into Terrifier probably didn't have much uh, knowledge of Art the Clown as a character. So, I think you're right that for most people coming into Terrifier, their first um, interaction or knowledge about Art the Clown would be this this opening scene with the you know the documentary style of describing the events that led to. Uh, the woman's uh, appearance and how she looks, and and you you kind of get like this uh, this opening sting as well. The, it's obviously a slasher movie in the sense that you've got to have that opening kill um, as a surprise that that pops up before the title card. Um, and it, it it interesting. It has nothing to do with Art the Clown in 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 terms of like him actually committing this uh, opening kill. It's it's the woman who's committing it because she's sick and tired of hearing from this fucking interviewer um who's on the phone after the fact says like i, I just kill me now if i look like that bitch like, um which i do like though because i i think that terrifier as you said it doesn't really have much of a storyline um and i would say and we can, we'll talk about this more later, but I would say even more so, the story that it does present is often pretty um, um, messy. Doesn't you know? Doesn't really some of the the, the storylines don't really like tie into each other. They don't they don't add up. But in this first opening sequence, I kind of like the idea of setting up the fact that like Art the Clown and his butchery is so horrible and so. Uh, has has mangled this woman so much that there's like that idea that you might want to kill yourself because it does set set that like sort of realism in motion of like wow it'd really be horrible to have to live through that and then constantly live that pain and suffering like even if you didn't want to so it, I, I think it sets up a kind of interesting idea at the beginning of the movie um doesn't really follow through with it but it's still kind of a a nice setup for segueing into Art the Clown. Um, because that's pretty much what we get after that. After that initial opening kill, we go right into Halloween night and we see two women walking down the street on Halloween night. Um, and I guess I'm going to start off here by saying while this film does take place on Halloween, I'm only giving it five, five out of 10 for the Halloween, uh, shenanigans festivities etc uh i don't know if you agree with that no i would agree um it's like halloween and name only because our protagonist is uh their friend are dressed up in skimpy after halloween party outfits 
I think that as as they as they're walking down the street, there's no pumpkins. There's no right. You know, no, maybe just like the occasional shot of like a pumpkin in the trash, something like that. <laughs> nothing, nothing to distinguish itself to make it like, oh, this is a Halloween night in this uh, li- this little town down in made up bullshit New York County land. Yeah, uh, I think I think the problem is like you said, they're coming obviously coming from a Halloween party because they got their costumes on, but it doesn't really scream Halloween. There's no, uh, you know, and of course it's this time is well after you would expect to see trick-or-treaters you know it's kind of like the the tail end of halloween night um i think even at one point they say it's around midnight um so it's at the tail end of halloween but still you don't really get the feel of halloween in this except for like some sporadic decorations a couple shots of like a smashed pumpkin their costumes and then you have to have uh radio announcers quite a bit saying like it's halloween night and uh you get it i will say you get a nice like classic style 80s 90s commercial about like come in to our spooky halloween shop costume shop and and purchase all your your halloween goodies here you know like sort of like old style like come on into our department store we've got everything you'll need we've got candy we've got you know plastic masks Come on down to Ames. We're liquid. Oh, liquefied. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Liquidating our warehouse, and we need you to buy uh, this scarecrow that we've had for sale for the last five years, and no one's purchased it. So come on down. Come grab it. Um, but it de- it definitely reminds me of you know the eighties and nineties commercials at times, and the uh, D- WNUF Halloween special, which we'll be covering in a later episode. Um, I, so I like that a lot, but uh, I would say that the the actual Halloween elements to this are few and far between, especially as we get further into the movie, and it starts to all take place in like dingy warehouse number two, um, you know, from like a set. You, you I can imagine like, you know, especially for a low budget director, you know, going out to Hollywood and being like, I going up to like some real estate agent and be like, do you guys have like digi warehouse for us to use and like yeah well, let's take you around and there's like four different digi warehouses on a set somewhere and like which one suits you the best oh dude dingy warehouse number two it's kind of like a garage it's kind of got like just random tires spread all over the place um once that occurs i feel like the halloween really fades out and it's just like straight up standard slasher movie background and warehouse shit and potentially jigsaw's lair you know shit they share a space uh should be more like the odd couple where it's like art the clown over there <laughs> jigsaw doing his trap bullshit there they both share <laughs> that'd be that'd be great like, you walk in and it's like jigsaw's like the hell are you doing here <laughs> i know this is my layer You'll you'll get into one of my traps. You wouldn't like that now. It's fucking back. Go it, back to your. And, and not only that, but you would. Ha- it would actually probably be better because you wouldn't have the one, you know, FBI squad racing around ah, town, trying to get to two different warehouses. <laughs> They're all in the same place. So, yeah. Um. Danny Glover actually busts in and gets Art the Clown. He's like, damn it, I was looking for Jigsaw. Yeah, but this guy's killed like five people. I, I was looking for Jigsaw. Damn it. 
But I will say, I like, I really do like the setup at the beginning of the movie, like when it actually starts with, um, um, what's her name? Tara? Is that her name? Yeah, Tara. And uh, her friend, Dawn. And they're, you know, they're basically going to this pizza place at the middle of the night after their Halloween party, get grabbing a slice of, I don't know, what do, how, what do you think about that pizza? How do you think that pizza looks? It's authentic New York style. To me, it looked a little big, rather dry. Big, big floppy lunch style. And then go get the folded up and boom. Actually, you know what? I was having flashbacks while watching them kind of wander around the town a little bit and then end up in a pizza parlor of how being at your wonderful, the miserable college town, North Adams in Massachusetts, and how on a week, you know, weekend mm-hmm. at like 10 o'clock at night, walking around with my buddy after you decided to pack it in because we were hungry, couldn't find shit open. Except this one random pizza parlor, some college town, not nothing open past nine o'clock. College town for old people. It's true, it's true. They did, yeah. So like the pizza place is the only thing available, and that's the same thing in this town. That's that's all you get. You get, you get a pizza place. We didn't see anyone walking. Just like they're walking around in this industrial area. Nobody around. Yeah. Yep. Like you think it. You think it can't happen to you, but if you're walking around in a... It's such a condensed area. It's a pizzeria, a liquor store, and why? They got pizza. Li- it's the most... Yeah. The most random, like, side, like you know, like, exterior shot ever. Like, what, what, you know, like, you know, that they picked up from the web, because obviously they didn't shoot that on site. That was, like, you know, a sitcom, like, you know. Exterior hated. shot, like, yeah, at the beginning of a sitcom show. They had to cut that the yeah. music, out, the Seinfeld esque music, out of it. Or we now re- we now return to Family Matters. <laughs> um, but I, like I said, I like that I like that opening scene of them going into pizza parlor. They see this guy, you know, Art the Clown. They see him dragging a fucking gigantic shopping bag, and you they basically are just like a little bit unnerved by it. And I do think that. Leone shoots a pretty good opening where it it sets up like this unnatural, unsettling um, encounter with Art the Clown, where he's just sitting in the the pizza parlor, staring at them. And I think what really works is probably David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown because he does have a lot of great facial expressions and really manages to showcase the really unsettling nature of Art the Clown, especially his teeth. Because, like, the teeth are really what stands out, especially in the high-contrast, grindhouse filter that Terrifier has and the black around his lips and everything. It really accentuates the grotesque elements of his teeth. He was, lit, you know, coming back from a My Chemical Romance concert. That's why he had that dainty little hat on. And a little jaunty little... A little, uh... You know what he... You know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of uh, the mime in that episode of Powerpuff Girls. That was a clown that, beca- you know, color gets sucked out of him and he turns into an evil mime. So- I don't know that one. Well, not of everything. Yeah. That's where the, at the end of the episode of Beat Em, uh, the Powerpuff Girls had to sing a song called Love Makes the World Go Round. Well, apparently that's what uh, Art the Clown needs as well. Yeah. So he looks 
love. But oh yeah, I see, okay, I see. I see what you're talking about. The clown that becomes the black and white. My my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of <laughs> kind of a similar idea there. Um, but what do you think about? It? Like, were you? Did you think that the opening with uh, Arthur Clown, where you first meet him, sitting in the pizza bar, was that effective? Yeah, no, I liked it. The whole setup was really good. Honestly, the best part of this movie is like the first half hour. Mm-hmm. The way it sets up, the way things kind of get rolling, and what transpires. Um, it's pretty well thought out, uh, engaging, a lot of fun. Um, problem is, because the film doesn't have a plot, and it's basically kind of just an expose to show what uh, Leone can do effects-wise, so it's just a effects and torture porn show from yeah, like that point on. Yeah, and your mileage is totally going to vary on that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you like. I really, really liked the the setup of it, and I was really, you know, kind of gung ho on the whole idea of it for the first half hour. You're right. And then I think once it gets to that garage warehouse where it really separates the two main characters, um, we're kind of forced into an environment that's very generic, uh, horror movie, torture porn element. I think that's where the film kind of takes a detour that I don't really like to follow it to. Um I'm not saying that there's like no room for torture porn to be um, enjoyable, but I think in Terrifier's case, you can tell that Leone is first and foremost a special effects guy and then trying his hand at story here because it. I don't think that Terrifier really has much of an effective story at all. And that's okay in some scenarios. Like if it was just, you know, following her into following her around the town and and being spooky and there's a spooky clown guy that's just following these women um that's fine as a as a setup storyline and that would be okay if this was like a short but for a feature length film which is about 84 minutes long i feel like the idea of just having that torture porn element of just murdering people willy-nilly here and there in a in a warehouse it just doesn't work as well as a long term film and you can tell that that's you know that's that's not a strong suit for Leone is is a storyline that actually goes anywhere because even even after that point there are some story beats that he tries to set up like there's a random woman in this garage that you know has a a baby doll that she calls as her baby and it really doesn't go anywhere it's really super unnecessary to the overall plot except that he gets to murder her at some point um and wear her skin you know it's other than that there's really no rhyme or reason to have that element to the movie at all uh there's not really a point to having the exterminator in the building um it's just like an additional character for art the clown to go through and murder um so I, I, I think that once it gets to that point, it really takes on too much of a torture porn element for me uh, personally, because I don't think just watching people be murdered in various, you know, horrific, brutal ways is necessarily an entertaining movie. Uh, you can 
praise the gore in some capacity. You say, wow, they did a really good job with the practical practical effects. I loved when that guy got his head stomped in. Looks so great. Looks so real. Um, but I don't think that necessarily makes a good movie. And especially in Terrifier's case, I don't think that it works to the film's advantage. I would have been more happy with more of the unsettling atmosphere that was set up at the beginning of the movie because I think that's really where the film shines. Um, and it sounds like you agree. It sounds like like you're kind of going in the same direction when you said, you know, the first half hour is the best. Yeah, the setup, like you said, the setup for these, you know, these two uh, Tara and Dawn being stalked by uh, our tension that's built up him slowly kind of picking off people you know and then all that's interesting like all that pizza parlor stuff's interesting and then once you as soon as you hit the warehouse it becomes another generic just you know run by the mill slasher film but with the violence set uh, 12 for intensity grindhouse effect etc I think the effects are really good in this film I do think the kills are really fun really cool I think you know especially for the budget a lot of great practical effect work is done here but as I like I said I was engaged for that first half hour I'm like man this cool film but as soon as like they were dicking around in the warehouse I'm like man the film's gotta be like almost over with like a lot of stuff's happened it's like 35 minutes and I'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me we still have like 40 fucking minutes to go god damn it and it just goes downhill because there's nothing driving anyone forward except the terror and the hunt and I will give the film a little bit of slack on the fact that it if it was made on $35,000 budget they did the best they could you know obviously the setting in not even before they even get to the warehouse everything's very simple and one note the street the pizzeria the warehouse so i i under, and, you know i understand that due to the limitations but because there's not enough like real tense action going on like the hunt itself is not very fun especially because you know 40 minutes in terror gets wasted away she gets shot in the head six times five minutes before that dawn her friend gets revealed to be upside down spread eagle and he fucking muff mutilates her (laughs) with a bone saw uh not even a bone saw hacksaw which that i don't know about you i laughed hysterically like i that was probably done to be like shocking and horrifying to see her you know spread eagle naked he rips you know her underwear off so she's like totally naked and like oh my god what's he gonna do and then he just takes that hacksaw right to the vagina and fucking starts sawing down and i laugh because it's so over the top Mm -hmm. so fucking stupid it's definitely you know it's meant to be that edginess of just like wow you know Kind of, sort of the same as in. I was just thinking, like, I'm thinking of the impracticality, like, like, oh, a hacksaw. <laughs> that, then, like, it's you're not difficult. Like, like, where's him, like, like taking a breather, like, because Tara's like tied to the chair of, like, him going, like, hold on, 
Yeah, what you what you didn't see is, is or the, anyway, the cuts see, of him having to grab seven different saws. Or yeah, of him then, stopping for a nice water break every now and then, <laughs> but getting the water boy to come and out here. Makes, yeah, thank you. But like, it's so ridiculous. I mean, the the effect is cool, but I mean, it's so ridiculous. And what ruins it too is the fact that it's really tense too when she's he's got Tara tied up and he's taking like the knife and like guiding it like across her neck and he's like no I'm not gonna do that and then he's taking something else and like guiding it like oh I'm gonna like and kill you with this or mutilate you with this and he's like no not this that's really tense and terrifying and it's ruined by you know yeah this muff mutilation which again. It's not bad, but it's stupid and hilarious. And I couldn't help but like be like, all right, you know, this is It's like it's like, you know, you have this setup for the tenseness of Halloween and at times, and then you get Avenge Sevenfold playing over it. <laughs> that's that's how I Vade. <laughs> yeah, that's how I kind of describe where it goes from there. Because I you're right, like there is a nice tenseness at the beginning. And all of that is kind of blown away once that that scene occurs. The with the edginess of it, and the way that art gets a lot more. Um, I guess it, it's supposed to be seen as sadistic, but it's less that than more just like cheesy and um, just laughable at times. And I understand that in some capacity, horror movies themselves are funny at times, humorous, um, and even. I, horror icons like Freddy Krueger have been known to be a lot more on the like humorous side um, really ch- hamming it up you know but at the same time I feel like the tone of this movie is so over um, all over the place like it just doesn't really know what it wants to be the first half hour is very tense and very in my opinion very actually very suspenseful like uh, well done suspense and then it loses all of that, and I I kind of am left feeling like I wish that the film had gone in different directions because I think it could have been uh, a lot better if it had done so. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I, I I think that's where the the scene that scene really pulls most people out of the movie in terms of taking it seriously. Um, but I think as you mentioned too, outside of this show. So, something that takes you out of the realism happens even before that. <laughs> it's when you see Dawn sitting in the car and she's listening to AM radio. No, 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 no. It's Tara's sister coming from college. You know, because their uh, car art popped the tire when they were in the pizzeria. So, because they were looking to sober up before they went driving. They're responsible. So, I like them for that. Points for that. And then when the tires popped and they can't get the spare on because they're drunk, the spare's not there. They call Tara's sister and she comes driving in, you know, from college. And she's a bore because she's, you know, it's Halloween night. She's studying for her midterm. Her roommate's coming in to have sex with her boyfriend or some dude. Who knows? It's Halloween. Who cares? And she doesn't care either because she's like, oh, you're here. And then they just go right onto the bed as she's got like her laptop open, you know. I feel like it was meant to be at all. Which that was, which I say, which that was funny too of her being like, you know what? Maybe I will come and get you, <laughs> you know. And then she's driving down the, you know, the throughway to go get her sister. 
She's listening to AM radio for some godforsaken fucking reason. And not only that, it's the clearest sounding AM channel ever. I don't know about anyone else's like AM channels in the United States. Um, but I have never heard one clear. Like, I can only imagine what listening to the mu- like music in the 50s and 60s was like before the invention of FM. And like you're even like when you're on like a good solid wave, it's still fucking muffled. It's just shit. But nope, this one's coming loud and clear. And like, hey, 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 it's same way, Nate. Uh, come on out and uh, get all your spooky on. And oh, by the way, there's a clown killing people. Um, this isn't a joke. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, they, two guys were found murdered uh, in a pizzeria. Yeah. Uh, look out for a creepy clown. <laughs> Yeah, I I also I that that stood out to me as well. AM radio, mm. maybe it's maybe it's the only thing on. Maybe everybody else had played the uh, um, Star Spangled Banner and signed off for the night. No one's playing Silver Shamrock on repeat. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah. So I I guess I agree though. Like I think that the realism kind of goes away. The torture porn element to me is uh, not as interesting, and I don't like how later on in the movie Art the Clown kind of he just keeps getting sillier and sillier to the point where I, I it's actually not that interesting to me to see him like riding around on a tricycle or um well that was funny that's like Billy yeah he's kind of like Billy popping out what I don't like is the supernatural mm. I think it'd be more terrifying if he was you know supposed to be just a really sadistic creepy dude I think the fact that they kind of weave in, like, the supernatural, eh, not for me. Takes away some of that uh, real spookiness. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Art using a gun? How do you feel about that? Slasher. Love that. Scream 5 took notes as, like, you know, Ghostface and Scream 5, one of the best parts when they're in that bodega, is like, fuck this, and he just takes the... Can, you know, Ordega owner shotgun and just starts, you know, firing away. It's like, yeah, that's smart. It's like this like, is a me- this is America for God's sakes. Use your guns. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of I like it because it's it's that one is kind of shocking because you're not expecting. It. You're thinking like, oh, he's gonna, you know, as a normal slasher killer, he's gonna use the most unconventional of weapons. Um, because the cat, the cat right. tail kind of already. The cat, <laughs> yeah, right. Cat and nine tails. Yeah. Just like flogging her, um, so you're thinking like, yeah, he, he can't use a gun. He's got to use the most ridiculous weapons. But nope, he just whips out a gun and hugs always the town. It's like that. It's always sunny. Me was like, and I started blasting. Yeah, <laughs> Danny DeVito, like, yeah. Right. So I started blasting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically the meme in in a movie there. I do love that he has, like, his bag of tricks with him, though. That's what's in his bag. His bag is just, like, all the things that he uses to kill and mutilate people. And he's just kind of like, no, what can I do in that? What can I do in that? You you ever think, like, with those types of, like, serial killer slasher people, there's, like, one day where they're just like, you know what, I don't fucking carry, feel like carrying that bag around today. (laughs) Those things, no, they just have so much sadistic glee. They're just like, I I love carrying around this 75-pound bag of, uh, Tricks. My I'm... my sack my my sack of mischief. Right. Tee hee ho ho. What can I do to make you bleed? Hee hee ho ho. 
To me too, it almost like it's it's almost kind of like the same idea that Trick or Treat has of like a Sam going around with his sack, and you know on Halloween night. I I feel like there's a similar idea there at play with the supernatural element and. Um, yeah, but Sam wasn't pulling out a pit handgun. To <laughs> no, he did. No, he didn't. No, no. Um, yeah. What do you What do you think about like the whole scene with the baby doll and that woman that's in the warehouse? Because it's like kind of um, comes out of nowhere. At least unnecessary. It's like fifteen minutes of padding that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Is he trying to tell like, oh, look, a homeless person and mental illness and. Some of the, you know, we should just have pity for these people. Or is it just crazy cat lady syndrome? It's just crazy cat lady syndrome. Yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, she's just there as a body. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. And I guarantee her character probably wasn't written. She was probably like, okay, what, what do you, like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, find, find your spirit. What, what do you, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And that's what she probably settled on after a couple of tries, I'll do, we'll do crazy mommy lady. Yeah. I'll do yeah. homeless cat lady. Perfect. I mean, they ain't that shit. Do you think it's like meant to be like trying to allude to a backstory of Art the Clown and then like reset it? Like, you know, because it's not obviously not the defining characteristic of him. Like, oh, he has mommy issues. And then, you know, they circumvent that by having him murder her in brutal fashion. And uh, it's almost like, no, there's no like characteristic that defines his you know his personality he's just, just Buffalo Bill he's just a psycho that was that was hilarious when he puts her skin on and starts walking around like he's like has dick tucked in like he's Buffalo Bill that was yeah, hilarious yeah I mean funny yes effective for the movie I don't think so I would much I didn't say I did, no I didn't say it was effective I said it was yeah. clear like, I, I would much prefer all I could think of is I'm just listening into my head and I'm not even thinking of Silence of the Lambs. I'm thinking of Clerks 2. Like, goodbye, Yeah, I would much prefer the film to stay more on the serious side than it does. Um, especially as it, you know, it starts to get a lot more ridiculous as the film goes along. I know it's, it's trying to be brutal and, you know, the, stuff like that. But I, I feel think, like the brutality kind of, like, fades out. I think it's it's definitely... Trying to split the difference, I think, of like having the brutality, but also because he's a clown, have these comedic moments, which I do admire it because, like, something like Hostel, what makes Hostel such a terrible film in a lot of Rob Zombie stuff, it's not that, like, it's like, oh, it's just torture porn, but it's just like insufferable assholes being insufferable, miserable little shits with no. No redeeming qualities or anything that makes them interesting or funny. Mm-hmm. And here, I think art kind of gets that away with that because he's a clown, so it does kind of make it like funny. And I mean, it's to- doesn't really fit perfectly. Like I like I get it, like what they're going for, but it doesn't really fit. But I think with a couple more tries, of maybe he could get it to work. Because mm-hmm. again, like David Thornton does a really good job, like. He doesn't speak at all in this movie. And he is really great at, like, emoting Ark the Cloud with his facial expressions and everything that he does to kind of, like, you know, 
what he is and doing as a character, he does a great job. And, you know, that's something to be said. I think... I think the fact that this film is kind of rudderless overall is that's its biggest downfall. It doesn't have... Excuse me. Because it doesn't have a plot. It doesn't really have anything going for it outside of, you know, warehouse runaround. There's nothing there. To, and there's nothing to anchor what's going on in this in this world. So, like, except Art the Cloud and the Violets. and Yeah, and I feel like once you get to that point, too, at the end where Tara's already been killed. And, you know, that's fine, too. You know, it's killing the main protagonist, something that's not really new to the to movies. And we see it quite a bit. You know, obviously, it's done, done famously in Scream. It's done in Psycho. Uh, it takes a little bit longer in Psycho than Scream. Um that's fine to switch characters on it and everything like that. But I feel like at a certain point as we get through the brutality and you as an audience know that there's sort of like this aimlessness to the storyline. I feel like the the amount that you care about what's going on at the end, about if anybody's going to make it out um, and the plight of um, what's her name, Victoria, because like honestly you do, literally don't care or even know Victoria at all literally is just a character that's brought in about 45 minutes in and just does stuff um so i feel like the stakes of the movie at the end of the is just non-existent you don't really care what happens uh and you fully expect that probably no one's going to make it out alive and there's that torture porn element to it of and and in some cases you know you could call it i don't know i don't know that i agree but like misogyny of mostly women being brutally murdered in heinous ways um i feel like you just become desensitized to it towards the end of the 84 minute running time and it really just misses um having any like meaningful reaction from the viewer i think i think i was sorry to cut you off i i I do think you're right especially like if this was a 40 45 minute film this would be a great film because it can't like it encapsulates like a good like you know it doesn't have a plot but it captures like a visceralness and edginess you know real tension with it as soon as you know they kill off Tara which again it doesn't really matter because none of these characters really mean anything and we get saddled with Victoria it doesn't matter because we like we've already seen what we expect to be you know the you know, uh, final girl offed halfway, less than halfway through. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of it is just in this hour and 20 minute film, half of it is a film. The rest of it is a prologue. I mean, uh, epilogue, you know, and it definitely overstays its welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it just doesn't manage to do it. I, what do you, what do you think about the end of the movie as we get to, basically what's present day it jumps a year ahead and then you see oh victoria is the one who is the deformed woman that we see art the clown like basically like eating usually eating pieces off of her cutting it off and eating what do you think about that that reveal it's not bad i didn't realize that that was supposed to tie back to the opening i thought it was like another year went by and yeah I think that's yeah. That's kind of the because they don't think they, about it. And they don't really they don't really do a good job of tying it together because they don't go from that TV thing and be like one year, you know, 
you know, one year before, you know. I think like, it's supposed to be like a surprise, right? Like you're like, oh, that's the woman. But at the same time, by that time, I'd kind of forgotten about that woman. I was just like, oh, that was just like some random stink at the beginning of the movie about Art the Clown. I didn't really like think about it again until the very end. And it was like, yeah, it's like, oh, that cool. It's like, oh, that cool. It's like, oh, that cool. The opening was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's not that effective because you're just like, oh, is that woman? You know, it's just kind of loses the oomph that it should really have or like because there's no again there's no point to it really there's no um it's like well what does it matter like that you she's the woman from the opening it's like no real i don't know there's no no real rhyme or reason to why you should care but um yeah i mean i guess you could say that about any like of the stings at the end of horror movies like why should you care that the killer's not actually dead i don't know but I don't know. It just feels like it falls flat there. Like it didn't. Boogity boom, magic. That's how. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one thing I do like though is that the film does bring up like that very, very overused trope of like, oh, it's a coroner and he's going to be eating. He's going to be eating while he's dissecting the body. Uh, he, <laughs> they do talk about. And, like, he's, and he's an asshole. It's yeah. Like, it's like, which does make sense. I mean, if you do think about, he's like, oh, like how can you joke about all this shit? It's like I've been doing it for twenty-two years. You have to. You know, just disassociate somehow. Yeah. Otherwise, every time you got to cut open somebody, you're like, God damn, God damn, like, hey, hey, you know that body? No, how could this happen again in my town? I know. I know. I mean, I, I do kind of like that. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. And, um, I think I love the joke of him. I say, I love the joke of him being like, yeah, can you? Look, I can't believe it. All these bodies. I'm going to be here all night. So why don't you give me a breakfast sandwich? Something with bacon. Preferably bacon. I want bacon. Yeah, that's right. He's like, like, give me a breakfast sandwich with bacon or, or bacon or something or something with bacon. Aren't you supposed to be watching your cholesterol? I am, and it's going up. Yeah, I did like that too. He's like, who's the MD here? He's like, shut the fuck up, orderly. Go get me a breakfast. Sandwich. I'll do that the next time I have my blood work. And my doctor's like, cholesterol's getting high. And it's like, yeah, well, I've been watching it go up. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching it. It's gonna go up. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good little joke there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you about the supernatural element. I think that's like probably the least effective part of it, especially because you have, like, I can understand if you had Art the Clown do some sort of like goofball thing where it wasn't very evident that he actually killed himself, like he, that he wasn't, he couldn't possibly be actually dead, right? Like, but the way that it happens and the way that he shoots himself right in the face. You see all the blood trickling down after he's dead and all of that. It makes it very, very clear. Like, no, that guy's dead. Like, he's not coming back from that. Um, but then to have him, like, supernaturally resurrected, I think is kind of a dumb element to it. It's it's a lot more interesting and scary if this is just some random serial killer guy that's going around as a clown on Halloween night. It's a much more effective element than some sort of supernatural um capacity that he's doing um what else anything else you got here what do you guys about it I think you covered quite a bit yeah I mean I think we covered it like, like we were saying there's not a whole lot of plot to cover um it is in essence sort of torture board oh you know what we didn't talk about though the soundtrack because you said you, you you know you really like the soundtrack the 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 moments of uh 
like sort of tense stalkerness that occur later on in the movie with the synth score. Well, I, I didn't say, I, uh, I didn't say I oh, love the whole soundtrack. Uh, I did, however, really enjoy like the whole like like kind of stalking theme. It had like a nice little synthy and like a uh, drum machine beat going on, like. Dun, and I mean, it's very reminiscent of Halloween too, because it's got like that. Well, it's totally Carpenter, but like yeah. again, like this film is like a great homage of like you know a billion things that we kind of talked about, you know, reference. Like the film was intentionally referencing other stuff, so I get it. I again, I know why. I like it. it's like, oh, that's a it's a C- Carpenter score. If I ever heard that, but I thought it worked really. That at least that you know score worked really well. I liked it. And, and speaking of Amish, did you hear on the radio? He says like Craven's. It's like Craven's uh, costume shop or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, I like the soundtrack as well for the most part. You know, it does have sort of like that it, it, low budget indie films generally do. They just like go up to their random local bands and like, hey, you wanna you wanna cut a track for our our film? And so they no, they got John Car- they got Don Carpenter on that. Yeah, but they nor- a lot of these. He did it. He did it for free. <laughs> a lot of these nor- end up with like local new metal bands uh, doing their thing. Um, but why yeah, you gotta, that. Why you gotta say that? That's true. We gotta speak that evil into the world. New metal. Love it. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that's all I got for it. Uh, I think, like I said, the Halloween elements. It's not super prevalent, so uh, it's a disappointment. I've heard, or I, as far I've seen, Terrifier Two may have more of a Halloween um, presence, so that would be nice. Um, yeah, as they do, two and a half hours ain't nice. <laughs> I do think this one misses the mark a little bit. You know, it wants to have Halloween, but also doesn't know what to do with it. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, they improve that for the second one. All right, so we got to give this a rating, though. Um, so, on a scale of 15 broken hacksaws used for vaginal dissection, what would you give to her? Muff, mu- muff mutilation. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, uh, kind of puts a new spin on that, uh, Cronenbergian, uh, instruments that they use in the, um, Dead Ringers, right? Those were supposed to be, like, terrifying for a woman, right? Because, you know, it's obviously that they're using them for vaginal stuff then he just got art the clown going at it with a fucking hacksaw i think that probably the instruments are a little bit scarier to be honest with you than the hacksaw because the hacksaws you're just like that's fucking stupid i do like too i we didn't talk about this sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your rating or anything no you're fine um i did like too like during that whole hacksaw scene it's like he's getting down to like her her neck her throat and she's still alive screaming it's like dude come on come on (laughs) Come on now. Her, most of her insides are out. <laughs> most of her insides have migrated well, like outside. They, so. Well, I like that they make a point to show the, the intestines. Mm-hmm. That's the small intestines just kind of hit the ground, but nothing else. Like, you know. Like I said, that. Like, like I said, that whole scene is just fucking ridiculous. It's just <laughs> hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I fail to see it even being, like, grotesque, right? Like, I don't. No, it's not. It's, it's 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 so surreal and so far fetched. You you definitely enter 
comedic territory. Like, like okay, like that's you can't, you can't you you can't take it seriously. Yeah. Like, I can't. I wish I had like I took a video of me laughing. Cause. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on a scale of uh, one to ten, hacksaw broken hack fifteen fifteen broken hacksaws. What would you give? Uh, terrifier. I'll give it two pizza slices. Um. No, um, I'll give it a six and a half. To be honest with you, I found, like I said, I found myself for like the first half hour of this film really enjoying it. I thought it was interesting enough. It was engaging. Saw Art the Clown. You know, David Thornton did a really good job, great job, you know, portraying him being emotive, being creepy, being scary. The whole like setup in the pizza parlor. Very fun, you know, fun, very tense, very scary and creepy. The way it's shot, really interesting. Some of the kills we even talk about in the pizza parlor. The one guy that he kills, the poor other pizza parlor dude, is like there's shit and piss and blood all over the fucking bathroom. And it's like he's like, I, I need time and a half to do this. You gonna make me clean this? It's fucking ridiculous. I'm going home. It's like that's where you go wrong, but like. Who took a power shit on the wall? Like, that's so disgusting. Yeah, but, right. but that first 30 minutes, this film is very f- engaging and it's really well done. And even though, like, there's no real plot except for it to be a stalk, it is enjoyable and I think well paced and well plot out. It's after that, as soon as you really get into the warehouse and then the actual warehouse setting. And the characters in the warehouse, and the killings in the warehouse, and the stalking in the warehouse, where for the most part it becomes an absolute slog. There are some really good moments when Tara finally gets captured, and she's tied in a chair, and he, you know, Art the Clown's threatening her. Is really tense, and really cool, and really imaginative. But as soon as you get to Dawn getting fucking muff died with a hacksaw. It's fucking ridiculous. And a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the kills and the gore is fun. It's well done. A lot, like, you know, all the practical effects in this film are really good, especially for the budget. It's just, it becomes a meandering mess. It becomes aimless from one listless idea to the next. And that's the biggest problem with this film. Um, It did have a lot of promise. Um, and I'm not, like, somebody who really cares for torture porn, because I, I think it's kind of a... It's just a boring exercise. Like, I don't find it to be really fun to just watch, you know, people just get mutilated, you know, in creative ways. It's in brutal ways. Like, it doesn't really, you know, do anything. Like, what makes, like, Funny Games a great film is because of, you know, the psychology that, you know, Michael Heineke has and... So, and it has something attached to it, you know, and that's also a critique on the viewer, so it's, you know, interesting. Here, there's none of that. It's just got a lot of nice little, you know, homages to other horror films, which is nice, but... Like I said, it's an interesting idea. I'd I'd be... I would watch Terrifier 2. I'd be waiting a while, though, because that two and a half hour, like, two hour plus runtime really scares me, especially with any slasher film, because there's only so much you can do. And it'll be interesting to see. But I do think this is a film that I think thinks worth definitely definitely worth checking out at least because it's it's got enough interesting ideas, but just be aware that 
it does become a meandering mess. So I'd, I'd say six and a half. Wow, you gave it more than I th- actually thought you were going to. Um, I'm going to go with five and a half on this one. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a reason why I didn't remember seeing it. And I think that it is, besides the hacksaw scene, uh, I think that Terrifier is pretty much mediocre and really unmemorable. And it's probably because it loses its well, whatever direction it had. Um when it goes into the the actual torture porn madness of just constantly doing gore for the sake of gore and and murdering for the sake of murdering um it doesn't have a really interesting story it doesn't like keep you too engaged after that first 30 minutes of suspense uh that it sets up and i feel like that's like the biggest the biggest downfall of the film the thing that people are going to notice the most is that there's a interesting setup uh, pretty effective creepy atmosphere and then the film does really nothing with it and it actually kind of goes in the opposite direction it goes in much more generic territory it's like here's a fucking warehouse um, here's the random tools and shit on the ground that we're going to use to kill people it's very very generic uh, very, super generic torture porn from the 2000s to the 2010s and I think that that's what turns me off from Terrifier um, because it just doesn't do that that well. And practical practical effects are good, of course. Um, they're very splattery. They're very goopy and messy. And the kills are admittedly brutal and at times misogynistic. But I don't really think that that makes an interesting movie. And I think that's where Terrifier loses a lot of its audience. Um, there's pro- I'm sure there's people who are just like, yeah, I fucking love torture porn. I just love watching miserable things happen to people and um there's really no rhyme or reason or you know there's no point to it at all it's just nihilism but um for me that there's got to be something more to it than that and i just think that terrifier doesn't really have that appeal uh doesn't have a plot that really pulls things together and and honestly the plot itself that it tries to do just makes it even more messy like no reason for some of the characters to even be here so what it does attempt it does a really poor job of actually tying together so i give it a five and a half i think it's interesting film to watch one time you probably won't even remember watching it next year so you might turn it on again you'd be like fuck is this terrifier this is a halloween movie i'll check it out again um (laughs) you know and you might remember it you might not so um i think that's probably you know that's both a good thing and also a really you know poor review of the movie is that it's just not memorable um, even even though it has what should be a memorable scene um it just doesn't work like that so but i still will check out terrifier 2 at some point i do plan on it um just because i want to see what all the hubbub is you know what's so different about terrifier 2 that wasn't done in this movie now let me ask you do you think art the clown is in like the zeitgeist for like oh yeah that's right right let's kind of set that up as a lingering question and, and didn't cover it uh, i'll tune in tune in in three years when we do terrifier 2 yeah um i mean from just seeing terrifier i would say no i don't really think art the clown is uh that memorable of a character you know there were things about freddy krueger that were just like extremely memorable extremely cool things that you would just wow that's 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 an iconic character like right away 
Uh, or like Michael Myers, there's something about him being the shape, especially in the first movie, where it's just like, wow. Mrs. Or Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Voorhees or Jason later on. But yeah, there are just some things about some of the icons. I, I would say actually Jason is more of the, one of the boring or uh, horror icons. But Jason is totally boring. So is Leatherface. Most of them are, to be honest with you, like... I mean, of course, Jason Pinhead. Pinhead's great. I love Pinhead as a character, as an icon. Um, well, we still need to do the Hellraiser films, which I've never seen it. So, wow, I know. I told you that a thousand times. You still can't believe it. I've never seen it. No. Yeah. I, uh, no. I I'll say I think he is, but there's a caveat for that. What has the from the two like two thousand up offered us outside of Jigsaw? Um, probably the only one that I can think of is, um, the guy from Hatchet, the killer from Hatchet, which admittedly has not really had, uh, that much staying power either. I mean, there were three Hatchet films and, um, so so I could easily see how, like, this is like something people have got attached to, especially because from 2000 on, it's been a who's who of just remaking horror films into the ground in shittier versions. So, it's almost like if, like, I would, like, if you were, like, a slasher fan and you got this, I, you probably would be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, something different, something new. What about the Firefly family, Firefly, oh my god, Firefly family from the House of Thousand Corpses, (laughs) Rob Zombie's, uh, I mean, I'm not, pseudo Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I would say that though they they did become sort of an icon from 2003 because of, of course he, you know, he did the House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. He's actually got a, technically a trilogy now. Yeah. Um. So yes, I would say them. He recently just I say he recently just did his third film, Bo is Afraid. <laughs> With them. <laughs> yeah, you're right though. There's not very many icons that have come out of the 2000s. So Art the Clown very well could be considered i guess an icon see and you're right sam i like i would put, put probably sam up there and i've only you know i've only seen trick-or-treat that one time and like it's pretty iconic mm-hmm. you know just from that alone the films you know was pretty good but i wouldn't say like you know anything stellar from my memory but i mean sam's pretty cool mm-hmm but other than that, I mean, they never, like, they didn't do Trick or Treat 2, right? Uh, not yet. So, I mean, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Um, what's... So, Arts, I say, Arts got it by, like, default. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> it's, not <laughs> it's like, hey, who's the top 20, uh, killer, you know, serial killer from, uh, the 20, you know, the 2000s on? That's the original. It's like, well, Jigsaw and... Well, I guess just all art. <laughs> So uh, what what are we doing next week? I don't know what we're doing next week. Mm, maybe um, too early, too early for Saw Ten. Yeah, it's too early for Saw Ten. Um, we could do the WNUF Halloween special. Okay, let's do that. I know we planned on it. Um, yeah, one of my favorites. I, I do love to watch it every year. It's hilarious. Are we going to? And I, and I forgot. Well, I was reminded when I was watching this movie and saw it. Ads. Are we going to cram in The Exorcist beginning or no? 
Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll try to yeah try to get that in there too. Or do you want to save that maybe for like an exorcist when we do like an exorcist bar? I don't know. I kind of want to see it now and see what David Gordon Green has done. <laughs> I think you gotta you gotta experience it at the start, right? All right, so we're working. I'll say we'll work backwards of the Exorcist series. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you can't top one, you can't top the first. You can't even bother trying. But it's like, yeah. Do you think he sits there and they're like, when Blumhouse is like, "Hey, here's something for you to do," and he's like, "You want me to do what the hell? Jesus Christ, I can't keep doing this shit." No, I think he's actually. I think he's he- the one that's bringing him to Blumhouse. People are gonna people are gonna think I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you want to, say after the third, I, I say the, the third, the second and third Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm an everyone thinks I'm an asshole now. Come on. <laughs> you know what? We're not gonna do W. We're gonna do the Omen next week. Oh yeah. There you go. Damn The remake with. Who's in there? Who's in there? <laughs> Leif Schreiber, I think, is in the, the remake one. Let's do Psycho, but with uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, like the shot for shot. We had it. But with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> but with Vince Vaughn? <laughs> All right. If you want to hear more episodes about Halloween movies. Somebody, somebody should take that movie every time he kills somebody. Just be like, grow up, Peter Pan. <laughs> we uh we'll be back with the uh, WNEF following special, so you'll definitely want to subscribe. Uh so you can listen to that. We're on pretty much any podcasting app you can think of, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, home base at anchor.fm, which is not Spotify. So you can subscribe on there and leave us a nice review. Uh we're on Facebook and Twitter, just search for us, Blood and Black Run Podcast. We have an email address at Blood and Podcast at gmail.com. You write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to watch and we'll take that into consideration and also we have a patreon page at patreon.com slash blown back run podcast whatever you donate there we're putting back towards oktoberfest so prost um also because we are on uh spotify we are also by uh six degrees of separation uh partners with joe rogan if you like joe rogan we don't but yeah that's true i think he did an advertisement for us one time yeah throw that out there you know six degrees of separation that's right. Um, all right, yeah. So that that'll do it for our episode on Terrifier. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And come back for our WNUF Halloween special episode. I think that'll be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week with that. And until then, take care.